Hello and welcome to the Combat and Classics podcast. Uh, Brian Wilson, and today uh, we have a, a special interview guest. Our second interview we've ever done on the pod. We have Ann Knigendorf in Kansas City, St. John's College, class of 1997, and U.S. Navy veteran from '99 to 2005. Welcome to the pod, Ann. Thank you, Brian. So we wanted to get Ann on just because you know she kind of embodies this idea of what we're trying to do, which is explain or, you know, get people involved with the great books and the Socratic dialogue and St. John's College who are in the military. Anne is somebody who went to St. John's and then decided to go in the military, which is fairly rare uh, from the people that I've seen in St. John's and the people that I know in St. John's. And so we wanted to get her on just to talk a little bit about her experience. So Anne, what was, you know, and also I just want to point out that Anne's got a wonderful website with a ton of great articles. Um, she's a frequent contributor to the Smithsonian Magazine, LA Review of Books. Um, and so there's a lot to get into. Uh, but Anne, if you can just kind of like take a step back and look at your St. John's experience and then, you know, try to explain to me and our listeners, like, why did you decide to go in the Navy? I'm still working on figuring that out. Um, so after I graduated, I took a year off and um, didn't quite know what to do with myself. Um, and then I decided I'd always really been interested in linguistics. So I um, started a graduate program in linguistics at the University of Kansas. And um, I started to get cold feet. And I was thinking, you know, I here I am, I'm like 23 and then getting a master's in linguistics, but I don't know a real a language really well. Like we, we study Greek and French at St. John's, but I didn't, I didn't know them very well because we don't study, we don't go real deep into either. So I thought if I learn a language really well, say something really hard, like Arabic or Chinese, then I can feel kind of more legit calling myself a linguist if I do finish this master's. So I wanted to go to the Defense Language Institute, which is actually a favorite of Johnny's. Uh, we, I had, I think there were five of us in my St. John's class of about 86 people, five of us who all wanted to go to the Defense Language Institute. And we figured that out later. I didn't know it at the time. So anyway, I, I figured out that the only way to go to the Defense Language Institute and learn Arabic or Chinese or all the other languages that they teach is to enlist. Couldn't go as an officer um, unless I spent, I think it was something like three or four years as an officer doing other officer things. And then I would have to apply to go. So I enlisted because they could put that in my contract that I wanted to go there. And I learned Arabic. Now, what that has to do with St. John's is still a mystery to me, but I know there's a connection because five of us did it, and that's what I'm going to steer this conversation to, that you got me tease that apart because it's mysterious to me. Well, no, it resonates to me quite a bit as well in two ways. First off, I actually... Um after I graduated the graduate institute, after I finished graduate institute, you know, we have at St. John's these classes that you can just kind of take, and they're quasi-electives, for lack of a better term. Uh, and it's basically just students that lead the class or a, a tutor that just says, hey, I'm throwing this class together. Who wants to come? And so I did an Arabic poetry class with two DLI grads hmm. who had been enlisted in the Army. 
uh, and then you know they just kind of threw it out there to the GI and said, "Hey, we're going to do an Arabic poetry class. Who wants to come?" And I was just you know being an Iraq vet. I think I'd been to Iraq twice at that point. Um, you know, said, "Yeah, absolutely. De- I definitely want to do Arabic poetry." Um, and so I think it's I, I see that attraction and I see that consistent draw from either former linguists or current linguists uh, or former linguists or people that want to get into the linguistics field and especially the challenging languages. And I'm wondering how much it is trying to figure out your own culture by looking at a different culture. I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are. Hmm. Or thoughts on kind of the, for lack of a better term, as bougie as this is going to sound, examining the human condition from a different lens. Oh, boy. Well, that's not something that I'd considered. Um, For me, well, we should stick with yours for a second. I haven't heard anybody say bougie in like 20 years, so I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um. Well, you know, that's definitely a good thought. That's a valid thought because, you know, we do studying. I guess you did Western classics, right? Not Eastern. Yeah. Okay. So and then, of course, the undergraduate program is all Western. Um, You know, I can honestly say that I I did not have that in mind. Um, But, yeah, that's definitely a a valid thought that I'd have to spend some time with to try to figure out if I think that. that, Well, let me let me let me rephrase it if I can. You sure you, you. you have an excerpt from your forthcoming book, Basic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an essay in Electric Lit uh, at electricliterature.com called Gracie Allen and John Denver in Boot Camp. And there's an interesting quote in here, uh, something I thought really kind of, you know, again, resonated with me. Uh, and it was after you, you were, you're in a mall and you see that the Gulf War, uh, that war you know, against Iraq to liberate Kuwait has been declared. And you're suddenly excited, uh, enthralled at the idea of war to a certain extent. And you, and you made this comment, uh, I don't want to think that war is the only thing that it can, can define a generation, but they do offer scaffolding. We were pretty unscaffolded. And so as somebody that you know is around your age and who seemingly probably had a fairly similar kind of American upbringing and experience, um, you know, that made a lot of sense to me is that, you know, war is a place where you can, you know, maybe find purpose, but I think also potentially find your tribe. And so that's, let me rephrase the question. And this is, you know, did you feel like growing up, uh, that you've, you felt a part of a tribe and did you think that going to St. John's, maybe going into the Navy was at all you trying to find your tribe? That's another thing that I think about quite a bit. Um, no, I didn't feel like I had much of a tribe growing up. I had my family, of course, and we're very close. Um, but it wasn't until I went to St. John's that I felt like I could relax in a way and felt like, okay, these are my people, like Johnny's are my people. And I think a lot of us have that experience um, because St. John's in lots of ways tends to round up the weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't mind at all being counted among them. I love it. (laughs) Um, And so going into the Navy, this, well, something that I think about a lot is that going into the Navy was to me the weirdest possible thing I could do after St. John's. It, my experience at St. John's was just that, that, okay, yeah, these are the smartest people I've ever met. 
the people at St. John's, I think I was always like on the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the barrel intellectual uh, compared to the people I was in classes with. I think they're the most brilliant people I've ever known. And so, you know, at St. John's, we also have people really just free spirits. We've got people walking around with beards and dresses, you know, before that was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. And so they're just, and nobody wears shoes in Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, it was very, very liberal. So to me, going into the Navy was um, the opposite of that. I expected to have the opposite experience and absolutely not find my tribe. And I can't say that I did. You know, I, I don't feel like I had many, many lasting relationships that came out of my time in the Navy. Um, so what I keep trying to, to figure out is, is that leap, because I felt like it was a leap um, and not a tribe finding thing at all, but really the opposite. But it can't be the opposite. It can't be. It has to be that there is a very deep connection there between the liberal arts and service to one's country. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned when we were emailing back and forth kind of the idea of free men. Right. Right. That's that's in the the charter of the college. Yes. You know, we create free men through, you know, examining these great books. And so, you know, do you think that there is something in that charter and that mission of the college and what, you know, notionally the U.S. military tries to do? That freedom for everyone something to do. Yeah. Do you think that had something to do with, um, you know, your choice to join the Navy? You know, initially on the surface, it really seriously was just that I wanted to go to the Defense Language Institute. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, I really didn't have any interest in the Navy or in serving. But Mm -hmm. while I was in basic training, I ran into two Johnnies, Mm. which is still bizarre to me. Yeah. They they just noticed me on the street. They're like, hey. (laughs) It's like, okay, but they're like... I want to say 17,000 people in boot camp at any one time, or at least there was in 1999. Mm -hmm. Well, were there other Johnnies there? Because how did I happen to run into those two guys? Um, Mm -hmm. So I got off track there, but. um, Were they linguists as well? One of them. One of them Mm. wanted to be, but then ended up doing something else. And the other one went in for nuclear. Mm. Um, So now I've forgotten what your question was. Well, it sounds like, no, I mean, just, it, you know, it, it, did the missions align? Did you see it as mission alignment? It, it sounds like it was a means to an end. And yes. it seems like also the two other people you ran into was a means to an end, yes. right? Yeah, the, one, the one other recruit was also wanting to go to DLI, also wanting to study language. And the other one said, you know, I want to understand how nuclear physics works. This is a pretty good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, yeah, it certainly seems like that there was a, a quest for further education, and that if you had to spend some time in the service in order to get it, then that didn't seem like a bad deal. Right. And so what I'm wondering is if on the surface, yes, it's a means to an end, but on a deeper level that maybe subconscious that that there is a drive to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you look at the, the program books, there's there's really a lot of discussion that happens in seminar, like, you know, with Rousseau and with... You know, we read the Constitution for crying out loud, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all in there that this is our country. These are our freedoms. And St. John's is the 
freest thinking place there is, I think. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about that, I think, you know, absolutely on a subconscious level and now on a conscious level, because I thought about it for so many years. I mean, I don't, I don't really think anybody at St. John's would not fight tooth and nail. If someone said, you can't do this anymore. You can't have Mm -hmm. this type of education. You can't sit around and, you know, discuss the Bible the way you talk about it. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I really think that, that the, the toughest warriors of all, if someone said that, would come out of both campuses. And that, mm-hmm. that sounds really weird, but I think that if it, there was anything that could make a Johnny take up arms, it would be if someone said we were taking away all of that freedom. Mm-hmm. No, that's an interesting proposal. I think, you know, I don't know. <laughs> would I, I don't think you're wrong. I think that, you know, another way to do it is just go, the, the Johnny saying, yeah, totally Athens. We're, we're totally not going to, you know, do what you want us to do and then be like, all right, hey, guys, we're getting together for to read the Bible and don't worry about what the authorities have to say. Um, you know, it's interesting, just since I mentioned Athens, you know, I'm wondering, you know, so much is Plato, right? So much we read about Plato mm-hmm. and we read, you know, about Socrates and, at least, you know, and we've talked about this a decent amount in the, in the pod when we do Plato is the fact that Socrates was a veteran, right? Mm-hmm. That he had served and that he gets like some degree of, um, at least through our lens, I think, you know, the way that Lise and Jeff and I read it, he gets a little bit of a pass in kind of criticizing Athens um, or not necessarily criticize. Well, I don't know how I'm trying to structure this. Uh, that maybe we listen to Socrates a little bit more because he can go, no shit, there I was. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, you know, for me, and I'm wondering if this resonates for you, if in trying to kind of explore the truth of the human condition, if you don't see it at its basis sense, if you don't see it in, you know, the possibility of combat and through military service, then you, you're not as sure as to what you're talking about. I'm wondering if um, you had a, a similar you know, kind of thought along your path of going, I really need to see more of the world. I really need to understand more about people. This is a wonderful kind of opportunity to experience that. Yes. Yes. And it would have been, except that I was in an office in Georgia the whole time I served. (laughs) Um, In the six years I served, I didn't go anywhere and I never saw any combat. So, um, but I, I definitely think that's true. And for a lot of people, that's a good opportunity. Um, I kind of wonder if it's more in the, um, maybe the connection would have more to do with, with discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend, in order to get through the St. John's program, a person has to be really seriously disciplined because it's hard. That's still the mm-hmm. hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm in my 40s now. And I count St. John's as the hardest thing. Um, but it's also the only thing I would do over and over if somebody gave me a pass. Mm. Um, but it takes a serious amount of discipline. And, you know, I think there is stuff in, um, you know, if you go back back through time and you look at Greece and you look at Rome, that they had an incredible amount of intellectual discipline, but they were also physically disciplined, which is something that we don't have at St. John's at all. Um and it almost seems like uh, the military, in a way, complements the St. John's education, complements with an E, um, that because 
it rounds it out. It, it adds that element of physical discipline and having to be disciplined in a not so intellectual way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm also, you know, I'm wondering when you, when you say physical discipline, can you elaborate on that a little bit? I mean, are you, are you just talking about, um, I mean, you know, I mean, almost spatially, uh, like not, mm, I'm not talking about some, some right. push-ups, but that's certainly an element of it. But I'm talking about, you're going to be in this place at this time. You're going mm-hmm. to be here at five in the morning. If you've had a, you know, I don't care if you just did a 12 hour shift through the middle of the night and at six in the morning at nine, you have to stay awake from six to nine because at nine you have to be at this meeting. I mean, that's a kind of discipline too. And, and yeah, it's somebody telling you that you have to do this or that, but it's the discipline to go, okay, and kind of submit to it and say, yeah, I get it. That's fine. That's yeah. a, that kind of discipline is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I've been, I've been curious about this. I'd love to have your thoughts is I think that to a certain degree, or let me, let me hypothesize that to a certain degree, um, human nature responds to hierarchy, responds to power, however you want to describe that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a weird thing to kind of figure out. Um, but there's (laughs) the wonderful philosopher Caesar Milan, um, who I don't know if you're familiar with Caesar Milan or all. The dog whisperer. The dog whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, it was. I, I tell you, I could I could talk for hours about like Caesar Milan. Um, all right. It, he's got some super weird New Agey stuff, but um, it, just as a, a quick aside, I may have mentioned this in another pod, so I'll be brief for the listeners. But just to kind of catch you up, is um, I, the first time I ever saw him, I was uh, in Croatia just watching TV. And he walked into a room and immediate and was kind of explaining what he was doing just through body language and tone and eye movement. And at that point in my life, I was actually uh, in the reserves and I was teaching at the uh, Marine Corps Counterintelligence Basic Course. And I was teaching all of the neurolinguistic programming stuff. And I didn't really believe it. I thought that you know people are reasonable and they respond to incentives. Hmm. So when I'm talking to a source or doing an interrogation, all I'm doing is just presenting somebody with a better option. And if they're reasonable, they'll take it. And I taught the neurolinguistic programming stuff. I taught how you can manipulate people through body movement and how you can read eye movements and all this stuff. I didn't know, I didn't think it was that, you know, true. And then I saw Cesar Milan doing it to dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh boy, wow, this is, this stuff is powerful. So I started reading some of his stuff and he has this wonderful quote that I think, uh, it's that nature only knows two positions, dominant and submissive, Hmm. right? And it jives very well with that military saying of lead follower, get the hell out of the way, mm-hmm. right? There's a there's a very nice parallel there. And so I'm wondering if, um, you know, when you decided to go from St. John's to the Navy, I mean, was there any part of you that was like, I want a hierarchy. I want a greater order in the society that I'm a part of. That was a long lead in. No, no, no. That's, that's a good lead in. Um, you know, I, I guess that's possible. But, you know... What I keep coming back to as I try to, to figure this out for myself, and I've been thinking about this stuff for like 17, 18 years trying to figure this mm-hmm. out. Yeah. But what I keep coming back to is is the school seal. But we're mm-hmm. free agents. Where does a free agent fit into that? Because, you know, I look at the um, Lise and um, Jeff, the, your regular partners in this. Mm-hmm. Um, they and some other people wrote a very cool um, – kind of a 
charter, I think, was to combat in classics. And um, <laughs> they have in there, free thinking is not the most expensive weapon. We have to defend our political freedom, but it is the most essential. It's not widely and loudly applauded as necessary to a good human life, but there are few things we would defend as fiercely as this freedom and the opportunity to exercise it. Okay, so... So we're taught to have to be free thinkers, not to lead, follow, or get out of the way, right? So to me, that's mm-hmm. that's a separate thing. Um, and let's see, also in there is is the idea that once we have the freedom, we're maybe more willing to go into defense because mm. maybe we see that free thinking in a different way if we're mm. doing it ourselves, and also. Um, when someone can't free think freely, I think that person is kind of left open to to tyrants, mm. right? To, because if you're not a free thinker, then you are susceptible to becoming a follower. Mm. Um, because somebody, I think it's also in the charter. Someone will, someone must always direct an unfree mind, and someone mm. always will direct it. Mm. Right. And so how, mm-hmm. I don't know how that fits in to the hierarchy thing, but to me, it almost seems like we're free agents. Yeah. Well, you know, in that, in that, uh, you know, Gracie Allen and John Denver article, you talked about that something that frustrated you was that the people that were not kind of submitting to the hierarchy, that, that the, the, the kind of click leader in <laughs> yeah. your, uh, in your squad bay, um, was being rebellious and this bothered you in some sense. Well, I mean, I don't expect that anyone who's listening to this has read that. It's very, unlikely. it's a great article though. So check it <laughs> out. We'll, we'll post it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, but what Brian is talking about is that, um, there was, there was a girl in my, um, not barracks, but my birthing who every night would say really loudly, right at bedtime, she would say, say goodnight, Gracie. And then all these other girls would go, goodnight, Gracie. And they're doing this Burns and Allen routine. And that bugged me just to no end. And also while we were there, we had girls performing like um, songs from Annie, you know, the musical Annie. And they were singing like they would do hard knock life, like while they were cleaning the birthing. And that bothered me to no end. And, you know, maybe they were free thinkers themselves. I don't know. But but I I think with that, in that particular instance, I really wanted, I really wanted boot camp to be um, what it was billed as being, mm. right? It's supposed to be mm. this horrible place. It's supposed yeah. to be nonstop people yelling at you where you're mm-hmm. submissive and you're made mm-hmm. to do push-ups and sit-ups until you're about mm-hmm. to die. Mm-hmm. But then here are these people who are just like, yeah, it's a hard knock life. Um, and they were doing like call and response with it, like the whole deal, dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that bothered me. And I, I kind of wanted it to be like, you know, when you go to a really expensive restaurant, you expect the waiter to act a certain way, not like mm-hmm. the waiter, say, at Applebee's. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I didn't feel like I was getting my money's worth, basically, yeah. when when people acted that way. So, so what I'm gathering from that is that you wanted something very challenging. And this might come back to DLI in Arabic. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You said Arabic or Chinese. It's like, why not just do French? You've already taken some French. Mm-hmm. You know, why not just do French? Why did you decide on Arabic? 
because I felt like I could learn French somewhere else. I felt yeah. like if I really wanted to know it, I mean, I'd studied it in high school and I'd studied it in um, at St. John's. And um, I felt like I could probably just go down to the community college if I wanted to nail it, you know, or, um, mm-hmm. but, but I wanted something that could only happen there. Um, mm. And so I, I qualified just barely um, mm. for a cat for language, which is how they're, um, how they work. Um, it's all in categories. Um, and so, I mean, I had like the minimum score that you needed to, to learn Arabic or French or um, Chinese. And I just chose Arabic almost arbitrarily. Um, and of course this was before nine 11. So mm. this was a totally different world we're talking about. Yeah. But what, I mean, I guess I'm getting at, you were looking for something challenging, right? But and, I always and, am. And, I always do things the hard way. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that's also not part of, um, what the military is billed as, right? Right. You know, you, you went through boot camp and you're like, I want it to be harder. You said St. John's was the hardest thing that you did. Yeah. So I'm wondering, and I think that, I think that, and this might be a universal here is that, you know, I think, or would you, would you say that people come to St. John's and then there's certainly people in the military that go because it's the hardest thing that they can come up with doing? Well, it's hard to follow St. John's. Yeah. Um, but you still think that looking back at the Navy experience, even, you know, the, the drudgery that is sitting in an office in Georgia for <laughs> six years and translating Arabic and not being able to talk about it for 70 years, <laughs> uh, like that St. John's was still the, is it, was St. John's more challenging because it was more rewarding or was it literally when you say challenging, does it all encompassing everything that goes with that word challenging? It's all encompassing. Like at St. John's, I remember having these times where I literally felt like my brain was bleeding, you know, as I'm <laughs> sitting there hunched over a book, losing my eyesight. Um, it was, it was a to- like a total mind experience at St. John's. I mean, because we were stretched over disciplines that we normally wouldn't go into on our own. Like I'm not a math person, but you know, we were stretched out (laughs) totally thin with having to, to study Einstein and really make sense of what it was he was talking about. But then we also had to swing the other direction and make sense of Huck Finn in a way that we never would have tried to make sense of that way on our own. So it was just that there was so much. And because it is the absolute broadest liberal arts education in existence, um, I mean, I mentioned I mentioned that it's founded on the, the um, trivium and quadrivium, right? That, the, mm-hmm. that um, the quadrivium is grammar, rhetoric, logic. Um, I mean, that's the trivium. And the, the, <clears throat> the quadrivium is arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. And so that's the classic way to learn. Um, and as I understand it, that was how people learned for thousands of years. If you go to school, those are the things you study. You can't take a journalism class if you feel like it, because who cares how you feel? You know, who cares if you want to go learn about physical education? You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you want a well-rounded education. You're going to study those seven things, the seven liberal arts. And that's what St. John's is founded on. Um, there's this really cool thing. I, I recommend this to all Johnnies, but anybody can look at it. There's a catalog. The first catalog that was written for the new program in 1937. 
Lisa and Jeff and I have been digging through have this exact it? same catalog. I oh yeah, love it. We, we've been we've been digging through it because we still don't have an intro to the show. Oh okay. And so we've been reading the 1937 program it catalog is awesome. to try to basically rip it off and make it the intro to the show. It's I think absolutely wonderful. Um, I mean. <laughs> A liberal art, a liberal college is neither a club nor a trade school nor a finishing school nor an asylum for the young unemployed, right? I mean, these guys. This was Stringfellow Barr and Scott Buchanan who wrote this. I mean, they just give it to you straight. We're not gonna, we're not gonna baby you. You're, we're gonna teach you these seven things, and if you don't like it, just get out because there's you're not gonna have your clubs. You're not gonna have sports because there's not time for that stuff. So I mean, when you're stretched that thin, that's challenging. There's no reprieve. There's no, oh, I'm going to take an art class uh, at, at 11 o'clock to give my brain a break. That doesn't exist at St. John's, right? So what what else could be that challenging? Yeah. There isn't anything. What do you think that St. John's prepared you well for in the Navy? And what were the things that were very challenging for you in the Navy coming from a St. John's background? Well, you know, I think it prepared me well to be very, very alert to whatever someone else was trying to say to me, right? Because, you know, part of so much of it is sitting and listening to other people. And so I was only two years out or a year and a half, two years out of St. John's when I went into basic training. So I was very alert to what other people were trying to say to me. Um, So even if they didn't feel that they were in conversation with me, I was in conversation with them. And I think that that's true no matter what people do. You know, people, I interview a lot of Johnnies for, for the work I do for the college too. I've, I've written a lot of articles just for St. John's for the website. And so I talk to Johnnies all the time. Some of them graduated 50, 60 years ago. And everybody says the same thing, that we're prepared for the world because we can think critically, because we know how to talk to other people. And everyone's prepared. It doesn't matter what you go into. You know, we have a lot of people in law and medicine, but we also have a lot of people in with just any science. So, but that definitely prepared me well for that kind of thing. We also have a ton of winemakers. Every time I go back for anything, it's just, it's like a whole table of people that make wine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. So I, I was very well prepared to be receptive, I think, to a new experience. And, um, and the things that were hard, um, were probably just that, you know, at St. John's, we all get into a rhythm together. And even when I've gone back and done an alumni seminar, uh, we're all still in sync. We all still know how to do a seminar. Uh, we know that if it's raining and the lights go out, nobody's going to pay attention to it. That's a Johnny thing, you know? Um, and we had, I had an alumni seminar not too long ago where there were some people who weren't Johnnies who had been invited and they were sitting there and they couldn't help themselves, but comment, Oh, the lights are out. Oh, it's raining so hard. I mean, they were like saying these things aloud and we just ignored them. And I realized, you know, (laughs) that's part of being in sync with these other people. We know that that's just seminar etiquette. You ignore what's going on everywhere else. And um, so that was hard. I remember going into boot camp and hard when I was at DLI was that we didn't have that kind of um, community. We didn't have that kind of thinking together. Um, everybody was scattered and doing their own thing. So, yeah, that was yeah. hard. 
Well, Anne, I think um, this has been great. I really appreciate the time. I know our listeners are really going to appreciate this. This is, you're, like I said, kind of an embodiment of the, the type of audience that we're um, kind of gearing this towards um, either somebody who's a veteran that's you know into St. John's or um, a St. John's person that's into being a veteran. Um, so thank you a ton for joining us. Thank you a ton for sharing your thoughts. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And um, like I said, I'm just constantly trying to tease this out. So um, anyone feel free to contact me if you <laughs> just um, are listening to this and think it's completely obvious to you what the connection between St. John's and the military is right to me immediately. I want to know. Well, this is part of the reason why you're on the show is because I'm having these same questions. <laughs> Maybe so. we all do, but I bet yeah. you there's somebody out there who's like, they see it as plain as day. I want to hear from I'm, that person. I'm trying to, if you, if they contact you, then get me in that conversation. <laughs> I I, I'd like to hear what they have to say. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Brian. No, my pleasure. Uh, we're going to have Anne's um, website in the show notes, uh, in the show notes, uh, annekinnigendorf.com. Uh, we'll have the, the Gracie Allen article in there and all of her articles can be found on our website. So thank you. Anne. Yeah, thanks, Brian.